Hey everyone, welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 49 through 51, which will be covering portions of manga chapters 97 through 98. And we are fast approaching chapter 100 and episode 50, which is crazy to me considering I just started this sometime over the summer. As you know, I'm very much a manga kind of guy, and with most of these episodes that are featured in this podcast being predominantly filler, there really isn't too much I want to dive deeply into aside from one particular scene. But let's continue exploring everyone's stories as they make their way through Logtown with a trio of characters, each getting their own episode dedicated to them, gathering materials they need for the upcoming journey into the Grand Line. So the synopsis. In these episodes, we get a trio of stories focused on Zoro, Usopp, and Sanji as they go around Logtown to gather the things they need before setting off for the Grand Line. We see Zoro going to purchase replacement swords. Usopp gets some new gadgets as well as a new set of sniper goggles in a duel with a famous bounty hunter and his daughter. And then finally, we cap it off with Sanji entering a cooking competition to win a very prized rare fish. Alrighty, so let's get into the differences. Obviously, with much of these episodes being filler, there are quite a huge number of differences. The main portions that are canon are really just Zoro purchasing his new swords. That entire sequence is canon. However, everything pretty much before and after it is filler. And the fact that Usopp got those sniper goggles is canon. However, as I'll get into this more in detail during the podcast itself, this entire episode with Daddy and his daughter. Is all filler and made up for the anime. And then similarly with Sanji's episode in the manga, Sanji does in fact get the elephant blue fin tuna, but he just straight up buys it from that fisherman guy that he ends up talking to in this episode instead of going through this whole cooking competition. And lastly, we do get to see a brief shot in the anime of Nami carrying around all the new clothes in a big burlap sack. <laughs> That she bought, but in the manga, this this is a scene that is replaced by another scene that Nami is actually setting the clothes down at the register and then buying them in the store. But yeah, that pretty much covers, I guess, all the canon material that's in this episode. So let's move on to my thoughts of these three episodes. So starting with easily the best of the three, and one of my favorite episodes actually because it contains one of the more memorable Zoro scenes. To start, we get a few scenes of, of a brief interaction with Smoker and Luffy at the execution tower, but this is all filler and honestly doesn't really make much sense given that we learn about Smoker and his abilities, and this confrontation just makes no sense whatsoever. And it also kind of kills the vibe of when they actually are supposed to meet for the first time later during this storm. But we'll get to that in a few more episodes. We also get a few more scenes with Zoro and Tashigi, and a pretty hilarious scene of Zoro being forced to work off the glasses he broke by cleaning the Marine headquarters in Logtown with his three broom style, which I find just comically hilarious at the same time. And you know, this filler scene is still pretty entertaining. I do like this scene for the fact that it shows how innocent and kind Tashigi is, and one of the reasons why I really like her、um, because of her kindness. However, her amazing qualities really don't show themselves for a long time, and so I can understand if you don't quite share the same love. For Tashigi, as I do just yet, but just keep watching and you'll see why I like Tashigi so much. Alright, so now we get to the real meat of this episode, and pretty much all three of the episodes in this podcast is the scene in the sword shop. 
This entire sequence is in the manga where we see Zoro looking to find two replacement swords for the two unnamed black ones that he lost in his duel with Mihawk. The scene is awesome. That I'm just going to get that out of the way. This scene is incredible. Everything about this scene is great because we see more character development from Zoro. It's got great comedy. Expands on the lore by having Tashiki teach us about the swords of One Piece and easily one of the most ballsy moments from Zoro in the series. Oh, also some badass new swords for Zoro, obviously. And right off the bat, this scene is funny with the shopkeeper's reaction and him trying to keep is cool about seeing the wado ichimonji and failing miserably i mean the face that he makes with like the huge eyes and like the really tight lips and just him just stuttering like nonsense and obviously zoro notices this too and it, it, that whole scene is just was so funny but then we get Tashigi coming in to pick up her sword and in the process she explains to us the swords of the world of One Piece and how they're grouped in terms of quality and renown including just how amazing Zoro's Wado Ichimonji really is. She goes on to explain to us that the Wado Ichimonji is a meito or a named sword and there are 21 great grade swords or the Owazamono of which the Wado Ichimonji is included in. So it's a pretty damn good sword. We're also introduced to Tashigi's name sword, the Shigure, as well as her dream to collect the swords from criminals because she feels that these great swords don't belong in the hands of people who would use them for evil. Which is interesting that Oda actually gave Tashigi a goal or a dream. Usually that kind of thing is only reserved for the Straw Hat members or people who are very close to the Straw Hat members. But I find that interesting that he gave it to a supposed antagonist to the Straw Hats. She goes on to explain a little bit further that there are actually 12 supreme grade swords or Saijo o Wazamono and these are above the 21 great grade swords of Zoro's Wado Ichimonji and then just below those two we have 50 skillful grade or Ryo Wazamono and then we learn that there are a number of grade swords of which we don't know and is part of the next topic. As Zoro is looking through the barrels of cheap swords, he comes across the Sandai Kitetsu, or Kitetsu the Third, or the Third Kitetsu. I don't know how you would really want to say it. I prefer, I mean, I always call it the Sandai Kitetsu, but in, if I were to translate it, I would probably say the Third Kitetsu. Although the translation seems to translate it as Kitetsu 3, and the Sandai Kitetsu is a grade sword that, along with its brothers, are cursed swords, and death follows anyone who uses them. Tashigi then goes on to tell us that the Shodai Kitetsu, or the first Kitetsu, is among one of the 12 supreme grades, and its younger brother, the Nidai Kitetsu, is one of the 21 great grade swords, just like the Wado Ichimonji that Zoro has currently. And a little bit more on the Nidai Kitetsu in the spoiler section. So keep an eye out for that if you're interested. But be forewarned, it is pertinent to the current Wano arc. So if you do not want to be spoiled about the Wano arc, then stay away from that section. Next, the shopkeeper actually does something unexpected and has a conscience about selling such a sword to a seemingly unsuspecting person. It's surprising because just a bit ago, we saw this guy try to be all sleazy and weasel the Wado Ichimonji from Zoro, but I love that Oda even gives this guy multi-layers by showing that while he does want a rare sword, he still has a conscience and doesn't want to see someone hurt by them. I mean, in most simply written stories, this kind of guy would be 
be your typical one-dimensional sleazy salesman you see in so many things, but here that's not the case, as we will see in a bit. Tashigi herself is also horrified that she recommended that Zoro buy such a sword, not knowing the reputation behind it. But Zoro then does the most badass thing imaginable in this situation. He wagers his luck against the curse and flips the sword in the air and outstretches his arm underneath it. And if he can come out unscathed, he says he'll take the sword. Like seriously, this is one of the most badass things Zoro has done yet. He makes this simple act of buying something epic. And what always surprises me about this scene, no matter how many times I watch or read it, is despite the fact that we all know nothing is going to happen to Zoro and he'll be fine in the end because, you know, plot armor, this scene is nevertheless still very intense. I mean, the way the other characters react and even how in the manga, time just seems to slow down, which is pretty crazy in a book considering you can actually just speed it or slow it down as much as you want but it gives that sense of slowed time and it creates this almost unbearable tension until the sword passes around Zoro's arm. In the anime especially they do an amazing job with the sound going silent other than the sword slicing through the air as it spins until it hits the floor. I mean it's just so amazing. I never grow tired of watching this one particular scene and even when I went back to re-watch it for this I watched this scene like three more times because, because of how awesome it is. After this, the atmosphere of the scene completely changes to a more epic tone, with the shopkeeper now having this newfound respect for Zoro, rushes to get another sword from the back and reveals the best sword his shop has to offer, a skillful grade sword, the Yubashiri. I've always loved the design of the Yubashiri with its sleek black lacquer design and the gold trimmings. He offers the Yubashiri and the Sandai Kitetsu for free of charge and swiftly apologizes for trying to trick him earlier, citing that it's been a while since he's seen someone with the eyes of a real swordsman and bringing this shopkeeper's character development full circle in just this one scene is more than some characters get in an entire feature-length movie showing off Oda's amazing character writing yet again. I mean this guy goes through a whole arc in just this one scene but then Zoro with three swords in tow yet again. I can't wait to see him use these bad boys especially how he handles the curse of the Sunday Kitetsu going forward. Now that we've come to an end with that episode we now have to talk about the final two episodes and I'm gonna go over these a little bit more briefly. So episode 50 follows Usopp as he shops around for new gadgets for his arsenal and along the way he stumbles across a pair of sniper goggles that he really wants. But it turns out before he can get the money to buy them, a little girl buys them up for her bounty hunter dad. And also, he's not very interestingly named Daddy, which I find really weird. The rest of the episode, we see Daddy and Usopp have a sniper duel to see who gets to keep the goggles and also if he gets to keep his life. This episode is really boring aside from getting to see a bit more of Yasop in a flashback, which isn't canon at all, but it's still cool to see Yasop and also just seeing him being a badass. Usopp does have a pretty good story arc but it's one that we've seen all too often where he's a coward at first then he gets his redemption moment but here it's done without any of the usual emotional buildup. 
Uh, but it still de hits decently, I guess. These goggles would go on to define Usopp's look for the large part of the story. And they look really awesome on him. These are easily my favorite goggles that Usopp wears throughout the series. One thing I do want to mention is, even though this entire episode isn't canon, it's actually never shown in the manga how Usopp got them either. And it's only until a fan asks him in the SBS section, in the Q&A section from one of the volumes. So even in the manga, it's never shown how Usopp got these goggles. Well, kind of. It, it's never officially shown in the manga, but Oda does go on to explain briefly in volume 13 during the SBS as to how Usopp got it. And he even draws a rough one-page sketch of this moment. And essentially, he just goes into a store, tries them on, and then buys them. It's really simple. But yeah, I, Oda even mentions the fact that, yeah, he kind of forgot to write that in. And all of a sudden, one minute, he has those old like swimming goggles and then now he has these like really cool mechanical goggles later on in in, in the rest of the Logtown portion of the story. Now moving on to our final episode discussed in this podcast is the Sanji filler episode. This last episode, we see Sanji challenged by a random chef named Carmen to a cook-off battle, but Sanji is uninterested in dueling at first, but then is convinced because of the prize. Now, before we get into more into this episode, I want to briefly talk about a random background character that we see here. Now, I know what you're thinking, who cares? But the story surrounding this character is a very interesting one, and it also kind of has somewhat of a bigger impact much later on in the story, like much, much later on. So the character I'm speaking of is in the Netflix version at six minutes and four seconds we get the first appearance of a man named Minatomo and he is a carpenter. He's that tiny bald stern grumpy looking old man wearing the blue shirt and you see in the corner of the frame I believe he's in the bottom right corner and he's this guy holding a toolbox and wearing blue clothes. So Minatomo is a joke character that Oda created to explain a continuity error that a fan submitted in one of the SBS Q&A sections. And it's concerning a scene all the way back in chapter 1, which is insane. So the fan had written in noting that when Higuma the bandit came in barging into Makino's bar in Luffy's flashback, he's seen kicking down the saloon door. However, after that scene is over, we see as Higuma is leaving the bar, the door is magically fixed. Oda then goes on to explain that this carpenter named Minatomo fixed it in the time Higuma was beating on Shanks off screen. And he even included a sketch of him, which is what we see here in this episode. There will definitely be more about him much, much later in the story, as I mentioned, of which I'll go into briefly in the spoilers. But I just want to say how freaking awesome this little detail is. Because long before I even really knew of this story, I had always noticed how this guy kept showing up. Because he, this isn't the only time he shows up he just shows up randomly kind of like um not quite like panda man but he just shows up like maybe a handful more times throughout this story but then yeah i'll get more into the, the spoiler section about him one other unrelated scene that I actually really enjoyed was that little joke of Buggy accidentally paying for Luffy and Zoro's lunch. This is genuinely hilarious, especially how they play off Buggy being embarrassed as they thank him without knowing that who they are. And the fact that Zoro and Luffy are so kind towards him and... They honestly think this guy is the nicest person too for lending them the money. So moving on to the main portion of this episode, Sanji getting a hold of the elephant bluefin tuna 
is the thing about this episode that is canon. However, like I mentioned in the difference section in the manga, Sanji is seen having simply bought the fish. But here, he has to enter a cooking competition to win the elephant bluefin tuna. I'm not really going to go into too much about this episode as it's another really uninteresting episode. They tried to give this one a bit more emotional weight by inserting a small backstory with the fact that Carmen having this prior history with Sanji and respect for him. But it just comes off as a little too little too late. This is where it really highlights how well Oda builds his stories when you get an example of what it's like to not have that emotional connection to the story and characters. It just kind of feels empty and hollow, which is pretty much what you feel in this episode. And similar to Soap's filler in the prior episode they essentially took a small aspect of the canon material in the manga and expanded them to fill an entire episode and build a story around them just so that they can pad out and kind of gain some ground between the manga overall these two filler episodes don't really add anything to the overall story and are all that interesting either but they're entertaining enough to get through but they can pretty much be skipped if you feel so inclined To close it out, these episodes were mostly filled with unnecessary boring filler with one diamond in the rough scene with the one manga canon scene, interestingly enough, and it more than makes up for the rest though because that one scene is incredible. Watching these filler episodes just really highlight how good of a storyteller Oda is and you really miss not having him write the story in these episodes. But next week, we get back to predominantly canon material where we will only be discussing two episodes as beginning with episode 54, One Piece heads into its first full-on filler story arc. And to save myself, I'm just going to round up the entire filler arc and talk about it in one podcast episode, then going to jump right back into the main story in the podcast episode following that one. So that's kind of the outline of what the next two to three episodes are going to look like. If you enjoyed this podcast, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Also, check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures of my manga collection please check those out as well and as always i wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast and we will move into the spoiler section but if you're not interested in that then i hope you have a great day and i will see you on the next episode bye Alrighty, so spoiler section. So this spoiler section, just fair warning for even the spoiler section, I will be talking about very heavily into the Wano arc and its story points. It's nothing too major to the main story, but I will be discussing a few things from Wano. So, you know, if you haven't gotten to that point and do not want to be spoiled at all, then I would probably stay away from this spoiler section as well. But I'm not really going to talk about anything too big. So first off, the Nidai We get introduced to the middle brother of the Kitetsu line of swords in Wano, almost 900 plus chapters or 900 plus episodes later, which is insane. We see it pop up when Luffy lands in Wano for the first time and is brought to Otama's house. And when she gets sick from the polluted water, in a rush to get her to a doctor, Luffy grabs a random sword off the wall. And that sword happens to be the Nidai Kitetsu of all things. Obviously, I'll go into far more detail of what becomes of the sword and the significance of it when we get to the Wano arc. But I just 
think it's crazy that Oda waited so long to bring this back up. And we haven't even heard of the Shodai Kitetsu either, which is crazy as well. But, you know, these little things that keep coming up, it's just, I don't know. To me, it's really fun to see because, you know, despite the Nidai Kitetsu only showing up now, I feel like these swords are really important because, you know, Zoro has changed out his swords kind of often now with Yubashiri getting destroyed at Enya's lobby and him having to retire that and then him getting Shusui taken away or not taken away but you know him returning it to Wano and now he's using Emma but the one constant that obviously Wadoichi Monji being an exception but the one constant is the Sandai Kitetsu it has yet to get destroyed or taken or anything it's still with him and I feel like there's some significance to the fact that he still has the Sandai Kitetsu and there must be something more to the Kitetsu you know swords and I think eventually by the end of it we may actually see Zoro getting the Shodai Kitetsu at some point I gotta think that he's gonna have the Shodai Kitetsu and because you know Zoro's gonna have all three incredibly powerful swords at least that's my theory and then the last thing i wanted to talk about in this spoiler section is of course the minatomo character that weird carpenter that shows up so crazily enough in wano minatomo actually shows up again and we find out that this guy is a different Minatomo. He looks almost exactly the same, but Minatomo is actually a family name. And we do know that the Minatomo that we saw in these episodes is a relative of his, and he is a descendant of someone who was from Wano, which, I mean, is mind-blowing that he essentially had all this to put together and then makes good on that years or maybe decades down the line. It's just insane. So, I mean, we find out that Minatomo is the guy that built Kaido's residence on Onigashima Island and he also is the guy that employs Frankie while he's undercover in Wano and they have a pretty funny exchange throughout the early part of Wano arc and it's just the, f- the fact that Minotomo actually is now a full-on character in the story and <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. And I don't know what he has planned for this character later on, but even just this is pretty funny and pretty amazing. And it's super entertaining to to, to see when that guy comes up. I, I gotta imagine there are other things that will eventually show up, but seeing stuff like this is always just really fun. I, I'm one of the reasons why I love reading One Piece. But anyways, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about in the spoiler section. And yeah, thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.